there, this is Amanda from She Owns, and you're listening to the She Owns Podcast, the show that helps you own your past, your present, and your future, for people who want to live their lives in a more intentional way. Today we're talking about self-worth with Sonia Fahir on how getting to know what we need can keep us from having to fight with ourselves, and how to learn to accept ourselves for who we are rather than who we wish we were so we can own our self-worth. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know we just had a little pre-record conversation about a whole lot of things, and um, you know my whole story now, which not everybody does, but, um, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes in the last several years that, well, you know, I, that, that's one thing that I want to talk about in this program that I'm doing and here in this conversation is that the things that, you know, seem like big mistakes at the at the moment, but actually like alter your trajectory and move you in a place you move you into a place that you never thought possible especially within relationships where you didn't think that it was possible for those like you didn't think it was possible for those to be different or better but after this mistake that you make you know things are different and better and but you are different and how do you like find yourself again and and your self-worth within this change and uh, there's shame and there's mistakes and there's all of these things. So anyway, yeah, let's chat. So, well, I'm terror, (laughs) right? Like fear. I don't know what is going to happen. And our ideas of what was supposed to happen that don't, I think that piece of it in my meditation group, I, I'm on a morning meditation group every day. And today we were talking about, um, the myth of Sisyphus from a Buddhist perspective, which was a trip, right? Um, we're told that this is like this punishment from the gods, that he's got to roll the rock up the mountain and then it rolls back down again. But if we look at our lives at kind of the Sisyphean task of dishes or laundry or getting up in the morning and being a human and going to bed at night, it never ends. We're always right. rolling up the boulder up the mountain, and then it rolls back down. And the problem is not that it rolls back down, but that we think it's supposed to do anything else. You know, that we're supposed to be able to make this big progress and keep progressing and that it all is supposed to look good and feel good and whatever. That's not how it works. You know, I feel for my life, the places that from the outside look probably the most disastrous places where I've grown the most and if I could own who I was or what I wanted or what I did seemingly wrong that ended up being you know for my best highest plan um the story that we're telling ourselves about how we we know how it's supposed to turn out is it's fiction we don't know how it's supposed to turn out right yeah oh that was, you just got me there. That is so powerful. Oh my gosh. And just recognizing that, that you don't know how it's just like, even when you make the best plan and you have like this goal and you think you have it all laid out and it makes you feel secure, but never goes that way. It never goes that way. And often it goes better than you planned and sometimes worse, but sometimes that forces you to pivot that it it all just that beautiful journey of getting to where you need to go even in half the time you don't even know where you need to go at all it's it's really interesting so um 
you know this because we talked about it at the beginning of COVID, I think, but I have a group on Facebook called Mm -hmm. Women Learning How to Be Happy. And in the last week, I post a question of the day every day and I post gratitude prompts every day. And in the last week, I posted two questions that I hadn't consciously made really be back to back. Mm -hmm. But one of them was about like, a major kind of setback or um, problem that you'd had in your life and how you'd overcome it. And the other one was the most embarrassing moment in childhood. And those two questions have gotten bigger responses than a whole lot of questions, like just a discussion. And the, you know, this is a group for women learning yeah. how to be happier, right? So the, the sharing that happens there because people are willing to be vulnerable in the community. They're willing to not have to like preserve some idea of what they're supposed to look like or be like, but to say like, yeah, this was horrible mm-hmm. and this, everything fell apart. And, and then to be able to commiserate with each other or to go, Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, yeah I did that too. And so that piece of it, whether we're, empty nesters are about to be like you and I are talking about, or, you know, business women where the business maybe doesn't go in the direction it might go or marriage, divorce, like by this age, part of what's so I was thinking this weekend, you know, I'm 52. I'm about to be 53. I'm going to live a long time, I think. Right. So like I probably have at least 30 more years. That's a Mm -hmm. lot of time. And I think, we get to this age and there's this notion that like we're supposed to at midlife be starting to settle in. And my yeah. experience is not that my experience is, Oh no, I just get to know myself better and better. And as I get to know myself, I get to know what my strengths are. I get to know what I need to work on or want to work on still. And, and the next 30 years compared to the past 30 years, like this is my life just gets better the older I get because of that. Right. Like there's not the, the kind of insecurity of being a teenager or the just starting out and trying to make things happen of, you know, twenties or whatever. It, it just, it's like, Oh no, I know who I am. I know what I can do. And I know that I can rise to a challenge, which is, amazing because all of I don't know about you but like all of that time growing up it wasn't that I was putting on a false face necessarily you know because I I don't like the fake it till you make it mentality at all but there was just constant fear and insecurity of doing it wrong or what was going to happen and now there's a level of like oh no I don't know what's going to happen and and I'm okay with that because I do know that I'm capable of doing whatever the next right thing is and not having to project out what's going to happen five years from now. I don't know that, but I can do now. That's one of the things I've really learned over the last, you know, year and a half is that, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to do the right thing every time, but I can recover from it and keep moving forward. It's just, we're resilient and we can't, it, when we get stuck and beat ourselves up over this, the things that we've done, that's, I think, that's really the problem, not the, the mistake itself. It's like, you can, you can keep going, you can do this. 
And I think that helps build your self-worth back up after you knock yourself down with the mistake. But, you know, it's life is hard and we're all doing this and we all have no idea what we're actually doing. And I think if we all <laughs> understood that more and, you know, gave that grace to other people more, that, well, like, and that piece got <laughs> that other people piece, right? Because yeah. it's not just that we have an idea about how things are supposed to go, but we have an idea about what other people are supposed to do or how yeah. what they're doing is messing it up for the rest of us or whatever. And I think certainly, you know, in the political landscape, in the economy, in the, you know, the way the pandemic was handled, there's been so much of well, out there is so messed up. How am I even going to function, right? Now with interest rates and whatever, there is a level of just powerlessness and hopelessness, I think. And and I, I don't know. What I find so heartening is when I can stop and go, all right, what can I do? Like I can't change anybody else. I can't get you to do it any differently or my kid or my ex-husband or my, you know, whatever. But I can do it. And if if I'm not being able to do it, then I can look at myself and go, all right, what's standing in my way? Why can't I do the thing that I want to do? Or is it that I don't really even want it? Right. But that piece that taking control of our own agency and being able to, to just do our part, do what we want to do, so powerful because then I'm not reliant on whether you change or he does or blah, blah, blah. It's it's just me, which can feel also scary and like a lot of pressure, but, but it's where the power is. Right. You're, you're the only one who can control you. Like you can't control other people. You can't make their choices for them. All you can do is worry about yourself. And that is scary and amazing at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, powerful. It's powerful. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. How do you think that, um, how was I going to say this? I just thought of it. And based on what you said, um, how do you deal with the fact that you can't control how other people, you know, respond to you or view you or how do you not let that affect your self-worth? Oh, that's a great question. Well, so one of the things that I did during my divorce is I started going to 12-step recovery group for friends and family of like alcoholics and addicts. Mm-hmm. And um, in those groups, instead of talking about being powerless over alcohol or powerless over drugs or food or whatever, they talk about how you're powerless over people, places, and things. And so all of it is about how in a relationship with somebody else, the dance can only keep happening if you keep doing the same steps. Mm -hmm. And so when you start doing different steps or when you leave the dance floor, something's got to change. And, and that piece of it, they also talk in that group a lot about how other people's opinion of you is none of your business, which is a hard thing to get around when we're in business, right? Yeah. Because, you want people to buy your stuff. You want them to think you're yeah. awesome. You want them to, to think you've got it together so that they want, they have confidence to work in you, work with yeah. you. But I found like with my organizing and my coaching clients, 
what gives people confidence is that they can trust me to be honest and authentic. And so I'm not that piece of how do you worry about what other people think about you? Well, you know what? If you don't like who I am, then we, I would way rather not be working with you or in relationship or friendship with you or any of that than to keep hanging out and feel like I have to pretend all the time. Yes. Because if you're pretending all the time, then there's fear that you're going to be caught. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so for me, it's, no, no, I'm going to just be who I am. And usually what happens, luckily, um, is that, that deepens the conversation that makes it even the relationship even better, or it makes people want to work with me or be friends with me or whatever, because I'm, I'm no BS. I'm not pretending anything, you know, which means that I can be vulnerable. And if you can be vulnerable, then that means somebody else can be vulnerable too, because they can trust you with it. You know, if you look like you've got it all together, who's going to be vulnerable? Who's going to really show that maybe I don't have it together because then we go into, you know, shame and hiding and all of that, the stuff that Brene Brown talks about how shame hides in the dark. And we, the way that we move through shame is that we talk to each other. Right. Yeah. I I really needed to hear that right in this moment, like genuinely. um, I, I know for me personally, like with this, you know, the stuff that has gone on in the last few years in my life, I feel like, well, I, I had this conversation earlier with somebody else about like, I'm self-assured, like wholly self-assured. Like I have no doubts about myself, my decision-making, all of that, but I doubt my self-worth in what I'm offering in like my programs and whatnot. Why would anybody sign up for this? But I think that a lot of the reasons why I struggle with that is because I'm trying to make too many people happy and trying to be what everybody wants me to be. And that's just not the right thing. Like I just, you know, if, and I also talked about the other two people I <laughs> interviewed um, about this. I saw a quote on Instagram and this lady said, you know, that she was, somebody told her she was intimidating, which I get all the time, like literally all the time. And um, it always bothers me. And I'm like, what am I doing? And I, uh, like, I tend to confront them and I try to do it nicely, but I'm like, what about me is intimidating, which makes it all worse. Like that just makes it worse. (laughs) And, um, but her friend who was there with her said to the person who said it to her, are, is she intimidating or are you intimidated? And that made her shift the way she's thinking about it. And again, that's, that's exactly what I needed to hear is like, yeah, there are people who find me intimidating, but those are not the people that need me. Like, those are not the people that will ever get anything out of me or or working with me. They're just not the fit. And that has to be kind of a test for who is the right fit. Like the people who aren't intimidated by me and who feel empowered by being around me are the people that I need to work with, not the people who are intimidated by. So your personality is so energizing, right? But if somebody is scared by that energy, yeah, that's not. I I had somebody give me the advice. I will clean up the language that they used with me. But when I first started <laughs> my business, what they said is like, if you're going to be your own boss, don't be a jerk boss. Yeah. And what they meant by that was, 
Don't work with people that you don't want to work with, doing work you don't want to do on a schedule or being paid in a way that you don't want. And so often we're taught to work from a place of scarcity, right? I've just got to yeah. take any clients I can get. I've got to do any project because I need to pay the bills. I need to do all of that. And the advice yeah. they gave me on that is like, if you fill up your schedule with that kind of work, you don't have time for your ideal client to come in. You don't right. have the opportunity to do your ideal work. You don't make the money that you could have because you're competing to be the cheapest or to do whatever. If people call right. and they want to work with me, they hear very clearly, I've got a waiting list or I only work in this part of town or if it's not the kind of work I do, I've got a referral for you for somebody else. But the it was scary to do that. But it yeah. also that piece of self-worth of like getting to work with me is special. I do something very specific and I really want to fully be present for the people that I'm working with. And if I'm running around doing a whole bunch of stuff, that's I'm not going to be able to give my ideal client my full self. Right. And so yeah. that self-worth of like, no, no, I do. I have something to offer. I think in this economy, it's being pretty hard. Right. Yeah, definitely. There's just yeah. this fear of people don't have money or they're watching how they're spending their money or they're doing it differently or they're waiting to see what happens. And it's hard to not take that personally. Yeah, right. Absolutely. To go, oh, they just don't want my thing or I'm bad or I didn't do it right or whatever, as opposed to they have this thing going on, just like you're talking about, of, are you intimidating or are they intimidated? Splitting out what is somebody else's versus what is ours is important. Absolutely. And that actually made me think of a time where I valued my own work and my self-worth so little that I was doing jobs just for the money. And it makes you feel like shit, like genuinely makes you feel awful that you are putting up with people who are not your ideal client. And this was when I was doing like web design type stuff. And I had a client who she was a nightmare. She's an absolute nightmare of that. Every time she texted me, I, if I replied, then I would get a thousand texts back over nonsense, just absolutely nothing. And it made me just clam up and I did not want to deal with her. So I would hurry up and do her stuff and move on. And just like one word texts, no, you know, it was awful. It was really, really bad, but I needed that money so badly. I thought, I thought I needed that money because I didn't value my work and myself enough to be like, this is just dragging me down. And finally I got to the point that I was like, I cannot do that. It was for $300 a month. $300 a month was all she was paying me. She wouldn't pay right. me any more than that. And I was like, I, I need three, this 300 without this $300. This is not going to get paid. I have to keep doing this. So I did it for like six months. And then finally I was like, all right, I'm ending this. I can't do this anymore. So I texted her and I said, I am done at the end of this month. You're going to have to find somebody else. I cannot do this anymore. I, I just don't have time for it. And I did it politely. I wasn't a jerk or anything. But I thought in my head that I needed this. And it was like, I just did not value my time or anything else. And the very next month, the month after I stopped working with her, I had my best month I'd had in 15 years. 
So like, I mean, like a really, really, really good month, new clients that came out of nowhere that I'd never heard of before. And all of a sudden I had way more than that $300 that I thought I needed so badly from her. And it was all just from, I feel like it was really centered on, I was valuing, I finally wasn't willing to not value that myself and my work and my time any longer. And when I finally claimed that, it was like, oh, everything is great again. <laughs> well, and, and I think not just our work, right? Our personal lives too. Yeah, absolutely. We, we stay in relationships because we're scared or yeah. we, or we, we, I've been doing the internet dating thing for almost two years now. And um, it's been really interesting because it's taught me that there are things I want. I didn't know things that I didn't want that, you know, like I didn't realize were red flags or deal breakers for me or whatever, but the whole piece of it that's been really surprising is when I, you know, was in romantic relationships earlier in my life before my 16 year relationship and divorce and whatever, if something didn't work out, I always took it so personally, right? It was about my worthiness and my lovability. And I think it doesn't matter if it's romance or work or friendship or whatever. If we're walking around looking for other people to validate us and you not wanting to be with me is because of me, not because of you, we've got a real problem. And it's been shocking you know, I've done all of this big work studying positive psychology and personal development and getting a coaching certification and doing all of this stuff over the 13 years since my divorce. And what's happened with dating, I would not have predicted. I, when something isn't a match, it's like, oh, it's not a match. I don't yeah. take it personally at all. It's not oh, I should lose 10 pounds, which as women, we do to ourselves so much. Or, oh, I'm too pushy and I'm too talkative and I'm too powerful and they were intimidated or whatever. No, no, it's not any of that. It's the right person, whether it's a client or a partner or whatever, they're going to love who I am. They're going to love me for me. And being able to stand in that kind of worthiness of, oh, no, this isn't that I'm not lovable or worthy it's that you don't want what I've got or I don't want what you've got it's not personal it doesn't make either of you bad or unlovable by somebody else it's just we don't match and that's okay it's okay for us to not match (laughs) right and and that I don't think we're we're I mean I certainly when I started dating or when I started thinking about what what I wanted to do for a living grew up or started my business or any of that, that piece of, no, you're not, you, you're not supposed to match with everybody. We're supposed to find our people that love who we are and how we do it. And if if we're too busy trying to be something else, those people can't find us because they don't get to see who we really are. Right. Yeah, absolutely. When we're just pretending to be what we think everybody wants. Mm-hmm. And then, and then eventually they get to know us and that's not who we are. And it's like, oh, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> or they get to know us and go, oh man, I didn't know how cool you were because you were looking so together. You were looking so put together or I thought you were this or that. Like the, yeah. the I don't know, incredible trust and confidence that it takes to just show up as you are and go take it or leave it is 
um, it's both scary and so validating, right? Yeah, so fulfilling when somebody can see who you actually are and go, I love that, man. Oh, yeah, yeah I want to hire you. You're yeah. the one, not this other person over there. So it'd be, it'd be really cool if we could figure this out when we were like, you know, 20 instead of <laughs> waiting. 15, man. Those guys that I dated in high school, like all of that, that um, competition with friends and feeling not good enough or skinny enough or, you know, popular or tall or whatever we do to ourselves all along the way. And I think we're taught to do that. We're oh, taught to compete absolutely. with each other and we're taught to compare as opposed to going, oh, no, I'm comparing myself to myself. And what okay. that, that piece for me working with my clients and with myself, because it all starts with me, right? Like, yes. yeah. Um, being an organizer that has ADD, that's a creative, right? Or being mm -hmm. a coach who's had a nervous breakdown and struggled with suicidal depression and generalized anxiety disorder and whatever. I'm coming into my work knowing what problems people have, not yeah. being somebody that always had it all together and can say, just do this, right? right. Just do this, man, is so thoughtless. It's yeah. so blind. We don't Absolutely. see people. And so being able to come at it from, oh, no, I've, I've struggled with this, too. And this is how I found a way through. Um, I find to be much more helpful. Those are the people that I look to help me, too. And I mean, that's exactly where I'm coming. I mean, you, I just told you this, but like this is where I'm coming from in this current project is like my life fell apart. I blew it up and had to spend 18 months trying to reconfigure and figure out exactly what I wanted from life because I'm no longer interested in um, doing what everybody thinks I should do. Like I'm no longer interested in that. And it's time to just figure out who I am. And I, that's why I'm doing this because I want other people to figure out who they are too and not have to blow up their lives to do it. <laughs> I like that plan. That's a, that's a worthwhile mission. It sounds like. Yeah. So when it comes to self-worth, what is your best tip for somebody to like, you know, really, you know, some people, you know, believe in affirmations. Some people believe, and the last person I talked to is, you know, she believes that, it, or, you know, it's, it's a collective thing. Like you need to have community around you of people who support you and you support them and that kind of thing. What do you think is the key to finding oh. your self-worth? So I think, I think affirmations can feel like lies, like that mm. we're telling ourselves something that we wish were, wish was true. They right. can also be really powerful if it's something that we believe and that resonates with us. Right. Community can be really powerful when we're surrounded by strong, by strong people that love us and make us stronger. But my experience is get in those places where we are alone which we yeah. always are, even yeah. when we're with other people, we're in our heads, we're in our bodies. For me, the self-worth piece is about accepting who I really am, not who I wish I was. And, and it doesn't mean there's a, um, another kind of Buddhist saying of like, you're perfect as you are and now change. Right. So it's not accepting who I am or how I am. It's not that 
that just means I'm doing it right and I've got to keep doing it right. But if I look at myself and go, oh, I wish that I were doing this thing and I'm not able to do it, if I can accept who I am and not have to put anything on or have anybody else help me with it, um, I can work with that. Right. I can I can go, all right, what's the obstacle? Why am I not doing the thing that I think I want to do? Or why do I feel bad about that or whatever? And so that piece of what we were talking about earlier, how can I control what I do as opposed to trying to get anybody else to do it was yeah. the life-changing kind of shift. The pivot for me was not continuing to look at my family, my husband, my friends, my anybody and go, if you would just, or you're not giving me what I need, if I can be with myself and look in the mirror, and even if I'm thinking, if you would just, you know what, I'm the only one that can just do it. Right. Absolutely. I think that a lot of people struggle with that being alone and being with yourself and being with your own thoughts. And um, yeah, if you can just accept yourself for who you are and just be willing to change when you see something that you don't like, like we're not static creatures. We, you know, are always growing and changing. And I said this in another interview, like when don't beat yourself up over the things that you have messed up with, you know, you know, better now do better now. That's well, really or we get, the, get, get support from people that can help you do better too. Right, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yep. And so being alone, doesn't mean that we don't get to have our community or that we don't, you know, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Of whatever sort, but that piece of it of going, all right, I can't do this on my own. Somebody else knows how to do this better and they could help me or somebody else can listen. And if I'm talking, they will listen to me and they will listen me into my own wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, have you ever found yeah. yourself, you're in a conversation with somebody and you're saying something that you didn't even realize you knew or believed. Yeah. But you say it out loud and you're like, oh, right. That's it. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's just being able to talk to somebody else that really can hear us so we can yeah. hear ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it is really, really, really hard to be a person these days. And it's really, we have these ideals of what it should be like, or we should be like, and it's always that we're perfect. And that is just never the case. And I think, you know, we, we let our self-worth take a hit every time we do something less than ideal. And every time we do something human. Yeah, exactly. Human, you know, that's the piece. And so that, that part, I, um, when my kid was really little, they spilled on the carpet. Like we, you know, they were toddler. We were in the living room and they knocked something over. And my dad was somebody who like, it was a really big deal in our house if we built, right. And you would feel great shame. You were totally thoughtless and you weren't paying attention and all of that stuff. And so all those voices came into my head when my kid knocked a thing over. And I did not want to say any of that stuff out loud. Right. And so what I said instead was, we all spill sometimes, yeah. you know, and then followed it up with, you know, we probably, if there's a cup on the, on the carpet, like we could put a top on it or we could just not put cups on the carpet. We could put them up on the coffee table and then we don't have to worry about knocking them over or whatever. 
and you know, people talk about talking to your inner child and I could never do that. It all felt really cheesy to yeah. me. But when I started talking to myself, the way that I talked to somebody that I really love, yes, you know, talking to my kid and, and recognizing like, Ooh, what if when I something or I make a mistake, I could say, man, I thought that was going to go differently or I've never done that before. Now I know how to, how to do it next time. Right. That piece for me was the big, like crossroads of, Oh, now I get to be human and getting to be human and it not being some, you know, like shame spiral where that knocks down all of the dominoes of any piece of worthiness I had, but it's just like, oh yeah, we all, we all make mistakes sometimes. We all spill sometimes was like, that's it. And so when I'm saying being alone, that's that voice in our head, how we talk to ourselves, I think is key. Yeah, absolutely. I actually said this to somebody just this morning. And, uh, you know, not that my sons don't matter because they do. I love my two sons, but my daughter, you know, I understand her experience of the world better because we are the same, you know, it's it's my daughter and we're very similar. And it was at a point when I realized that something that I was thinking about myself was something that I would never want or said even out loud to myself is something that I would never want her to think about herself or say to herself. And then I was like, you know, you're really modeling how to speak to yourself, to her. And if you don't stop doing that, that's how she's going to think too. So you really have to like, don't beat yourself up over these things that you mess up because it's just being alive. It's just the way it is. And you just, I I don't want her to feel like an idiot because she like knocked over and, you know, spilled something like it's, it's so inconsequential. And, but yet we do beat ourselves up over these things. And even if I don't say it out loud, I'm thinking it. So that helps me shift a lot. You know, just how would I want my daughter to speak to herself or how would I want somebody else to speak to my daughter? And I'm not talking to myself like that anymore, period. It's huge. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think that's self-worth right there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How am I, how am I worth being talked to and what is my level of worthiness? And I don't have to keep looking for somebody else to give it to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, just the other day I dropped something and it was, it was in the kitchen. So it was easy to clean up, but I called myself a dumb shit because I dropped something. And I was like, I was just like, you dumb shit. And then I was like, wait a minute. Like I would murder somebody who said that to my child, murder right. them. So why am I saying that to myself? Like that's really messed up. Don't talk to me. And if somebody else had called you that. Oh too? yeah, I would. Right? Like you would No way, you can't talk to me like that. But that means when we can start hearing how we are speaking to ourselves, or start yeah. feeling, you know, like one of the tools that I've learned is that I hold my heart. You know, like I recognize that when something is painful, when I'm feeling hurt or lonely or whatever's happening, like it actually hurts my heart. Yeah, and so I put my hand over my heart and just kind of hold myself and. And that kind of cradle of loving kindness, that acceptance of, oh, man, you're supported. You're right here. Oh, that hurts. Yeah. You know, and when somebody else tells me something painful, too, I hold my heart for them. 
you know, yeah. like I feel that, that being able to feel our hearts so that it's not, we're just, we're just walking through the world thinking we're supposed to, to be perfect. That's not humanity. We're not perfect. And we don't actually know what's supposed to happen. Like, yeah, maybe you get in the fender bender on the way to wherever, right? Because yeah. it's not all an easy to to clean up spill necessarily. Those aren't just the mistakes that we make. Right. Um, there are much, much bigger ones. And how do you forgive yourself and get through those too? And how do you recognize, like, for me, that uh, that piece when somebody gave me the advice when I, when my kid was little about, you know, when they're crying or they're screaming or they're throwing a tantrum or whining or whatever is happening, it's indicative of an unmet need. Yeah. And so if we can look at ourselves that like, okay, yeah, I did this thing. I yelled or I hurt somebody or I, you know, broke something big, really big physical or emotional or otherwise what was happening? What what need wasn't being met for me? Why did I need that? Why did I do that? I was meeting some need I had. And, yeah. and it's not that we always meet them so skillfully or healthily, those needs. Very true. But it doesn't mean that the need's not valid. Right. Goodness, you always, every conversation that I have with you, I feel like just is amazing. Like you are brilliant and I am so glad that we had this chat today. So thank you. Me too. It was really so good to connect with you again. I'm excited about this new project of yours. This is big. Thanks. Now, where can I send people for you? Like what can, what are you, I mean, you got Facebook group. Where else can I send people? Well, people can find me. My website is spacewiseorganizing.com, but they can find Sonia Fahair on TikTok. I just started, which has been kind of fun. Um, And I'm on Facebook and Instagram. And I, you know, the things that I'm doing these days, part of what happened is I started out my business doing home organizing. And what happened is women, you know, like, we re- we organized our home and they realized, oh no, I still don't feel like I've got enough, right? Yeah. Or I still don't, I, there's all this clutter still in my schedule or whatever. And so my work has really inv- evolved to be coaching women, helping them organize their lives. Because when we think like, if only I were more organized, I would be happier. It's not, oh, if only my house were clean. It's right. if I didn't, scroll on the phone for hours and hours and feel bad that I didn't get something done or if I you know had a different schedule or I spent my money differently or whatever and all of it is again about that how do we meet our needs piece so um I have a whole bunch of things that I help people do with that um with organizing and coaching and I and I work with women so I hope women can find me and that group I mentioned, the Women Learning How to Be Happy group on Facebook is free and open to anybody. So send people there too. It's wonderful. I love it. I always, I don't always answer the prompts, but that's more ADHD related than anything else. Because I don't always I, answer them either. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so much fun to look at those conversations. And, and we've had women in that group recently talking about, you know, losing parents or nursing parents and about 
wanting to leave their marriages or about wanting to switch careers or whatever, like the, the kind of vulnerability that can happen in a community of women and the kind of yeah. shared strength that, that comes up to support people. I just feel so lucky to, to get to be part of that kind of a community and you're creating that kind of a community too. I hope to be. Yeah. One of the things that I have really enjoyed about getting, I'm 40, I'll be 47 in a couple of months. And I think the older that women get, the less we buy into the whole thing about competing with each other that we have been sold our whole lives and actually figure out like we only we understand what we're going through. (laughs) So we really need each other really badly. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I am so glad to be able to talk to you again, too, and kind of catch you up on catch up on this part of your journey. It's thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for listening to the She Owns podcast. If you're interested in learning more about what She Owns is all about, head over to sheowns.org. Whether you're needing support around your business or your life, we've got you covered. Our all-in-one business suite gives you all the tools you need to run an online business. And She Owns Her Life is a year-long program aligned to the seasons to help us return to a natural rhythm, reclaim our wild power by rediscovering who we are, and relearn how to be our strong, independent selves in a world that wants us to conform. Head over to sheowns.org and learn more.